I couldn't be religious and gay. It was impossible. I was being marketed as some sort of like teenage it girl. When a girl kissed me on my 18th birthday, a whole other world opened up to me. I was a minor nuisance. Eight Australians will tell you about the choices that have led them to unexpected places. These are some of the stories you will hear on Let Me Tell You, a podcast where real people tell incredible real stories. Look for Let Me Tell You and follow wherever you get your podcasts. These years and years of, I feel like Lydia may be trying to make up for some snap decision that she made in taking my eyeball out. Yeah, but so it, it's an endlessly complex relationship as most relationships are. You don't own me, I'm not your property. So take a shifty little bitty eye me. There is nothing Janine is meant to be more on this earthly plane than to be a mother. Welcome to Eyes on Gilead, a weekly podcast dedicated to The Handmaid's Tale. There is a lot going on in this show and we think it helps to talk it out after every episode. And in bonus episodes, which is what we have for you today. I'm Fiona Williams and when I'm not doing this, I'm Head of Curation at SBS On Demand and I'm joined by a few of my colleagues this morning and fellow resistors, Natalie Hambly, Managing Editor of SBS Voices. Hello. And Heidi Island, Channel Manager of SBS On Demand. Hello. And Sana, we'll be back next time. But today we have a very special episode for you. We have a special guest, Madeline Brewer. Janine Lindo is joining us in our Zoom room because why not? And because we have so many questions about Janine and what a point to drop in. We've literally just watched episode three of season five. So we know what's happened after the chocolate rumbles or Anyway, Esther's handiwork. Uh, so, yes, we, we do go into town on that. So, yeah, make sure you've, you're all caught up on your episodes of Handmaid's Tale. So episode 503, you need to have watched that or else we're going to spoil. So, guys, we've got Janine, Madeline. Oh, my goodness. Amazing. We have, like, waited seasons for this. So I can't wait to hear what she says. Loving these interviews that we are getting because it's really sort of making me stop and think about the characters mm. and thinking about Janine preparing for this today. Gosh, she's so important. She's been such a central character from the very beginning. And we've talked about her so much on yeah. this show. But like for me, like really thinking about sort of like Janine's role as a handmaid and her role in the show overall. And like we really need Janine. Like she's the one I think that really shows us a different way that Gilead can traumatise you because mm. June is exceptional, like the way that she gets through the world and how she takes that trauma and all the crap that they throw at her and she uses it as fuel to fire her, to fire her up. We've seen other handmaids, like never going to forget the one who actually, of course, in previous seasons who bombed the Red Centre, you know. Mm. And then you have Janine who breaks our heart, you know. But honestly, it's probably, she's probably the most realistic one in some ways. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah man, <laughs> this place is going to break you. Yeah, she's so – I realise now that, you know, we always talk about June and this season is June and, and like, Serena a lot, you know. But um, um, Janine is incredibly important, I think, and it was nice to be reminded of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we all love Janine so much and I feel like we feel conflicted about all the other characters but everyone always loves Janine. Like there's just endless affection for that character. So I'm really looking forward to 
finding out a little bit more about kind of the driving forces behind Janine. I remember saying in episode two that I just wanted Twello when he was sitting in the Putnam house that I wanted him just to bring a little bit of chaos, you know, <laughs> even, if it, even if it was just like spilling a glass of wine or something, just like something to break up the atmosphere in there. And it's so funny because when I was thinking about that and thinking about Janine, she's actually always the one. Like she's actually the one that brings the chaos, but because it always feels like it's out of her control, it makes me stressed, you know? (laughs) And so even in that episode and episode two, I remember thinking, oh my God, she's going to lose it. And so I kind of like that she's actually always that character that has me a little bit on edge because she has Haiti, as you just said, like she's so nice and we all love her so much, but she does have that that layer underneath where you think she could lose it at any moment. So mm. whenever she's on screen, it's not just this pure, oh, here's Janine, isn't she great? Yeah. It's always like, oh, my God, here's Janine. Yeah, yeah. What <laughs> is going to happen? happen? <laughs> yeah, the nervous energy is so strong. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so mm. strong. yeah, it's never a dull moment when Janine's around. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about it? Let's jump into our Zoom room with Madeline Brewer. Madeline Brewer, Janine Lindo, Gilead's eternal optimist and enduring survivor. Welcome to Eyes on Gilead. As Lydia would put it, it's a blessed, blessed day and we're thrilled to have you on our show. So welcome. Here, thank you so much. So this podcast will drop when episode three is out in the world so we can talk about Janine's brush with death. Right. Her, her, this, her recent one. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's had a few. And we've reflected that Janine really does have nine lives. And by our count, you know, she's, she's getting up there. But how, how much can that poor girl take? Yeah, you know, I'm uh, this one in particular, I think, is especially painful for Janine because every other time and it's been at the hands of either Gilead or of her own doing, really, like especially last season when we're not quite sure where she is after the bombing in Chicago, you know, Janine was very aware that that was a danger, but this one is at the hands of a friend and someone that she loves and that she's grown to trust. And so it's, it's especially painful for her, this brush with death compared to the many others. (laughs) Hi, Madeline. Um, Esther's attempts at murder, suicide calls out the way that Janine has been kind of displaying Lydia-like behavior. How would you describe Janine's kind of complex bond with Lydia, who is who is both like her protector and her tormentor? Yeah, there's a lot of layers there. I know uh, for both Anne and I, because we have such a powerful friendship. I just love that woman so much mm-hmm. as like a collaborator and a friend and, and just as a human being being and she's just the most wonderful person in the world Mm. (laughs) and as a fan really um (laughs) but I think as the years go on the relationship deepens and gets more complex because I I just think that as brilliant as an actor as Anne is she brings every ounce of that love into Lydia every ounce of love that I know that she has for me and that Lydia has for Janine and I feel the same way like I can't not love her and it can't like show through my face I feel like in a, a little <laughs> in a way and I think that the writers have so beautifully like ran with that but that being said the relationship is complex the level of like the power dynamics and the and the power struggle between the two of them and and these years and years of I feel like Lydia maybe trying to make up for some 
snap decision that she made in taking my eyeball out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so it, it's an endlessly complex relationship as most relationships are, but especially between women in this scenario and women who love each other so much and who in ways like have a respect and a trust between them that is they're not allowed to or supposed to have. Mm. Yeah, the sort of layers of kind of redemption there among the the abuse. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of complex relationships, um, let's talk about baby Angela. Uh, in mm-hmm. season two, Janine saved her. It was a really beautiful moment in the hospital and um, Janine sang to her, I think, which was really lovely. But this season it seems that she has saved you. Um, and so there was that lovely moment where it's kind of a bit of a reversal. Can you, like, talk to us a little bit about maybe what you thought of those two scenes together or just Janine's relationship with Angela? Um, actually so funny. I was on Twitter the other night and someone called it and I screenshot it so that I can post it later, (laughs) but someone said, my mind is running. Can you imagine if Janine is almost dying and Naomi takes little Angela by her for the last goodbye. And then she wakes up. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to Janine in season two. Okay. This is really a dream, but crying face. And I was like, so I screenshot it um, because well done. But I mean, there's just like, as is such an overarching theme of the entire show, it's like the themes of motherhood mm. because there is nothing Janine is meant to be more on this, on this earthly plane than to be a mother. It just is every part of her heart. And there have been elements of motherhood and maternal love in not mother-daughter, mother-child scenarios throughout. I mean, I think that Lydia and Janine have a maternal kind of love. I know June and Janine have like a sisterhood bond, but also a. I know that June feels like a maternal need to take care of her, which now I think Janine has for Esther. And so there's a lot of that mm. just as women who are mothers, And even, you know, Lydia, who is not quite literally had her own child, as far as we know, Mm. she is a mother. Um, So I think for Janine, that bond and that energy and that love is powerful enough because that's what she lives for. Charlotte is what she lives. She lives for. Oh, I love that you called her Charlotte. Is that how you think of her? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I I guess so. I guess so, because I call her Charlotte. Oh, that's so nice. And on like the call sheets and everything, she's baby Angela. But I think just even in just like my, I guess in my weird method actory way, I Mm -hmm. just call her Charlotte in my head. Oh, I love that. That's great. By any means, I didn't even realize I was doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, speaking of motherhood, back in season four, we saw Janine's son, Caleb, in a flashback for the first time after hearing about him for years. And of of course, sadly, that the audience know a lot more about him now than Janine does. But what was it like for you to bring him back to life in a flashback and, you know, kind of allow Janine to have that moment of being a mother when she's denied that in, in Gilead? Um, you know, that was actually that was a really, really cool episode. I mean, the flashback in general was just such a wonderful thing for me to experience having lived with this character for three seasons. And then in the fourth season to, you know, see where she lived and like what kind of clothes she wore and where she worked. And, and then, you know, I used to keep on my phone pictures of like weird, random infant babies, not weird, but like (laughs) random 
infant babies that I found like on Pinterest, <laughs> just trying to imagine what he may have looked like. And it was crazy to see him. I was like, of course that's him. Of course that's Caleb. <laughs> like that just makes perfect sense. Yeah. It was just such a, oh, such a beautiful thing. And another piece of her puzzle that I got to kind of put that piece in a bit of color to, to add to her story. Cause it's strange to like, I want to fill in all the blanks of my own imagination, but I also, there are things you kind of want to leave open to discovery. Mm, if yeah. I had made any hard and fast decisions about who she was or who Caleb was, or, you know, it may have conflicted. It may have been difficult to kind of fill that slot. So it, it, when he just came into my view, I was perfect. Like there's a scene in, where he like, he like runs in and I'm like, you're supposed to be in bed. And it's like, Ah, <laughs> dagger in the heart. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> oh God, he was perfect. It was like the Caleb I always always imagined. Mm, yeah, yeah. It was wonderful to see. We'd love more Janine flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, fill in all the blanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fill in all the blanks for us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> jumping back to Charlotte, Angela, and Esther. So I've been wondering, like Janine has experienced firsthand how manipulative and abusive Mr. Putnam can be to handmaids because she was his handmaid back in season one. And, you know, we've all seen how keen she is for access to to Charlotte slash Angela. So I'm wondering if our read on Janine is too naive and if and if she kind of was knowingly using Esther by encouraging her into that situation where she was taken to the Putnam's house. Honestly, that, that didn't really cross my mind because initially Janine wasn't even supposed to go. Hmm. Like, as we find out, she's like, okay, you can come. Like, you can't go to the funeral, but you can come to the thing. And I also think for Janine, it's like, I mean, the way I had thought about it was like, this man has lost an arm for what he's done to me at this point, I'm a grown woman. He wouldn't dare and he wouldn't dare with a child. And I was completely wrong. I think that that is a downside of Janine's eternal optimism is that she, mm. and you know, the same way that, that is like, I think Lydia is one of her, her largest flaws of the whole series is that she believes that everyone is out for the ultimate good. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's just not true. It's what we'd like to believe about society in general and all over across the globe is we'd like to believe that people, what they want is for the greater good. And yeah. they don't. People want power. Mm -hmm. That's it. <laughs> Period. Full stop. Done. People want power. And it's romantic and, and optimistic to believe that what they want is to serve God or to believe in, in the power of human nature and, and who we are, that we are all ultimately good beings, then we're not, we're just mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. I just don't think we are. Yeah. I think that Janine didn't think it was possible that he would do something like that. And, uh, and there he went. And I also think maybe she, she was a little bit blinded by the fact that she was like, keep Esther safe, Esther, just yeah. do what they tell you. It's the easiest way to stay alive and to keep all of your limbs and all of your appendages and <laughs> all of that. Mm -hmm. It's the easiest way. Just do what they say. And also she is in the Putnam home. That, that baby is in here somewhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you can feel it. Like she can feel like a, 
like, she, I don't know why I say, I feel it like this, but like, like she can feel a storm coming on, you know, that feeling you're like, oh man, it's about to pour. Like she can <laughs> feel, there's like an energy in the air. Like that's what she can feel that in that house. Cause that's what I guess I imagine motherhood is like, but I don't know. Cause I'm not a mother, but anyway, but that's how she feels about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you for restoring my faith in Janine's good <laughs> intent there. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think that. I did not think that way. I didn't want to think that way. I was just, uh, <laughs> you know, I was wondering. <laughs> I think that Janine, she made the mistake of believing in in the power of what she thinks is the good in people and not after how many years she's been in Gilead, how she would not believe that they would rape a child is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Janine. <laughs> Probably brings me to my next question, actually. You know, one of the strengths is obviously how the show shows individual and complex responses to trauma and, you know, how, how people are coping or not coping. And you play Janine's responses with such authenticity. How do you prepare or how do you get inside her head? You know, we're five seasons in now. Um, yeah. How, how do you find the place to, to come at her? I was a very different person when I started playing Janine. Um I don't know. I feel like she's just like, she's so desperately seeking the good and the happiness. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of was at the time, you know, I wasn't, I was like 24 when I started playing Janine and I hadn't started therapy yet. So there was like, I don't know. I think it's an element to me that was just a little unhappy and was like seeking the good. Mm-hmm. And I think I got to really put that on display when playing Janine, especially because even in the first season and second season, some of the lines that I'd just open the script and read that Janine had to say, I was like, well, <laughs> make it make sense because that's your job. <laughs> yeah. So even if it didn't feel like it made sense, I would want to just go, okay, well, let's just figure this out and let's make it make sense for her. And mm-hmm. however, whatever I have to do in my head to make that happen mm-hmm. is how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the character is so beautifully written to be so optimistic and to be yeah. more of a gentle kind of soul. And I mean, preparing to play Janine is so much of like, she's a gentle person. Mm. Um, Whereas I can be a little more guarded and like, honestly, kind of like crass (laughs) and like intense. Janine is just a very gentle person. I don't know how else to describe that gentleness. I I need to look at a thesaurus. (laughs) <laughs> I think you captured it well. And having walked in her skin in for so long, do you have a moment from across the series that you call a big moment of growth or of self-awareness, I guess, for Janine? Oh, yeah. Um, there's two from last season. I don't know why I don't remember season three that well. <laughs> it, was like so, it was before... COVID. So like, exactly. It's before times. <laughs> um, but two, two moments from season four... Uh, which were huge when June leaves in Chicago and wants to keep going and keep fighting. And Janine is going to say, stay. And they say goodbye. And then Janine goes after her and says, handmaids always walk in twos. Um, For a moment, being loved, having romantic love was more for a moment was more important to Janine feeling loved or in feeling the idea of potentially being a mother again, she was being selfish and after so many years of not being selfish, she wanted to be selfish. And then I think that she needed to just think about it for a minute longer and, and realized this is the woman that has kept me alive. This is the woman that I love more than any than anything. 
and I'm not going to let her go out there alone. Like whatever happens out there, be damned. She's not going, she's not going by herself as strong as she is. We need each other. And as she won't say it, June won't say it, but she needs me. <laughs> so uh, Janine going after June was a really big moment. And then after Janine gets caught and she's like in the cell talking to Lydia and she just tells her very plainly and not in Janine's crying or begging or her hopeless little way that she has had for so many seasons. She just plainly states what she can and cannot do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was amazing, actually. And I'm so glad that you talked about the airstrikes in Chicago and um, Janine following June, because I'm so curious about how Janine feels about June now, because she did follow her. She sort of gave up a chance for a little piece of happiness, followed June, and now she's back in Gilead again. So how is Janine, you think, feeling about June at the moment? I think that that's just been a threat of theirs since they left Gilead. There's always the threat of going back. There's always the threat that they'll find us. There's always the threat that, I mean, they're looking for us. They don't want us to leave. I don't think that Janine blames June just because, I mean, we see it in that episode with Anne. She said she's in Canada. I always knew she would make it. Mm. And I think Janine recognizes that June is the strong one. I mean, Janine's strong in her own way, but June is the one. It's like how you just kind of have, I mean, I have friends like that, that I'm like, you're just a magical being. (laughs) And like, you just possess something that I admire and I'm happy to watch it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I'm just happy to bear witness to it. So I feel like that's kind of how Janine is with June. But now, I mean, in season five, she doesn't know where the hell she is. So (laughs) she just assumes that she's in Canada. And because, because Janine doesn't know, anything that's going on she just thinks canada you're safe you're probably having the time of your life and doing karaoke and drinking margaritas like you're having the best time ever (laughs) Mm -hmm. she doesn't have any idea what june could possibly be dealing with and obviously at this point she knows that fred is dead but she does not know why yeah i mean he could be dead for any freaking number of reasons and i don't think that she's drawing the connection of oh yeah june (laughs) murdered him yeah, because I just don't think that she's thinking yeah. that. Also, she's in Canada. He was supposed yeah. to be here, here as in Gilead. So, anyway, I digress. <laughs> but um, no, I think that she she just hopes her friend is safe and happy and with her family. Yeah, they are such good friends, and friends do fight occasionally. And I'd love to get your perspective on that epic fight in the milk train, <laughs> sloshing around in. That was a fantastic scene. Oh. <laughs> yes, put us in the milk tank truck, whatever train with oh. you. And <laughs> that scene. And even doing it though, I was like, Lizzie, I don't want to yell at you because <laughs> you're my friend. But it was a moment that's been kind of like that was coming to a head for all of I think season three and and much of the beginning of season four, which is like, and now we're like in this freezing tank. Our friend, we just watched our friends die. Yeah. We've been running for miles. We're cold. We're tired. We're at the end of our freaking rope. And it's human nature to when you, you are feeling down and out and fucking pissed that you look across at the person in front of you and you're like, this is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to do this. 
And June's been our leader. So she's, it's easy to place blame. And I think that in those moments, Janine, which is why when she goes after June in Chicago, it, it is so important because I think that was the moment where she acknowledges all that June has done for her. Well, actually she kind of does it before that when she, you know, gives a BJ to Steven, but that's, that's different. We don't need to talk about that. Um, but this is the beginning of a journey of Janine realizing just how much June has done for her, but not before it's like when you're 13 and you've got to call your mom a bitch. And then by the time you're 20, you're like, I love you so much. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me. Thank you for giving birth to me. It's just like kind of that. She's like going through an adolescent moment of like resenting the person who's brought her so far Mm -hmm. because it's hard right now. And it was important for them. It was also important, I think, for June a little bit to see that Janine does have some fire in her and does blame her. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. That scene was just like, God, it's so much fucking happens in that scene. (laughs) It's like only a minute long, but it's like, my God. (laughs) Yeah, it was just the airing of grievances. It was like, what is that called? Festivus. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) You couldn't walk away. We loved it. Like it was just this massive fight and yeah, you can't, you can't go anywhere afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, I love seeing the fire in Janine, which sort of, I guess, leads me to what can we expect to see from Janine this season? We have seen the first three episodes. So what can you tell us? Um, It's not too spoilery about what's happening with Janine this season. So as we know, Janine is a bit of a fighter, like in her spirit, she has a fighting spirit. So there's that. Janine is someone who I think has worn a, I don't know how to say this because I do think it is all very genuine and I don't want it to come off as like Janine is being disingenuous or manipulative because I don't think that that's true. But I think that she has had this kind of cloak of, optimism and insecurity and the, and the happier one. And, Mm. and it is a bit of a performance because it is how she survives because if she's not smiling, she's like, okay, well, how am I going to kill myself today? Like I always compare it. What the hell? Who's that song by smile though? Your heart is aching Mm. smile, Mm. even though it's breaking. Mm -hmm. Like that is my Janine song. It's one of my Janine songs, which is like smile through it. Just Mm. Smile and get through it and do what you need to do and keep your head down and believe in God if they want you to and and do your chores if they want you to and just stay alive yeah. and grin and bear it. And Janine's had enough of that by the end of this season. She's had enough of grinning and bearing it. Mm-hmm. Her fire does not look the same as June's fire. June is a much more vengeful, yeah. ragey fire. Janine is much quieter. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's all. That's <laughs> oh, how interesting. We'll just analyze that over and over. You mentioned music. Do you, do you use music to, to get in a headspace? And, and what are some other Janine songs? All I Have to Do is Dream by the Everly Brothers is a Janine song. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, no. Just let me quickly find a playlist in the <laughs> library. Janine. <laughs> This Bitter Earth by Dinah Washington. And obviously, I Only Want to Be With You by Dusty Springfield is one. <laughs> so, oh, Great. Thank you. We're so grateful for, for having you join our Zoom room. You're welcome back anytime. Thank you. Thank you for picking up so early. Yeah, it was <laughs> wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> wonderful day. Bye. 
That was so amazing. Oh my God. She also sang, My Heart is Full. (laughs) (laughs) And my playlist is going to be added to in a second. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Some good uh, Janine music. I thought that response to that last question about, you know, where Janine's going to go this season was really interesting because I kind of keep wondering at what point Janine's going to like be broken, at what point she won't be able to bounce back. And it kind of sounds like there's a bit of a breaking point coming for Janine where <laughs> she's she's not going to bounce back. She's not going to be that resilient, optimistic Janine we've already always known. Well, at the end of three, I mean, I mean, she's literally mm. just come out of a coma, but um, yeah, she certainly doesn't look there yet (laughs) nor should she (laughs) yeah Mm. it's so interesting to get their takes on it because they think so deeply about their characters yeah and so yeah it's really wonderful to see how she thinks of Janine and and where she places Janine in that world and also what she thinks of June thank you so much for asking the milk question Fiona (laughs) (laughs) it's just one of my favorite scenes (laughs) it is you know like yeah because like when you think back on season four that is one of the standout moments that I always think of and you know I agree with her about season three and that's no shade on season three by the way I think it's just COVID like we've just like been through so much (laughs) it really does feel like before times that I'm like yeah what happened in season three we need a flashback to, to <laughs> fill in the blanks. I also love that she um, reminded us that Putnam lost an arm because I had actually yeah. forgotten. Yeah, do you recall like that how that how that actually happened? The uh, storyline there, Fee. Yeah, well, back in was it one uh, mm. when she jumped off the bridge and disclosed that they were having relations outside the ceremony. Yes, his punishment was to to lose the arm. Yeah, that's why it was so important, wasn't it? Because we actually saw a commander being punished. Mm, um, mm. Yeah, I can't believe I had forgotten that he had lost an arm. And I just love that she said, and there he goes again, you know, yeah. like, ah. <laughs> oh. yep. That's part habits. Yeah, and she just thought, well, he's been punished. He's learned his lesson. No, now he's, um, yeah, making moves on a child who was about to be the handmaid in his household. And everyone's fine with that because that's the world of Gilead. Gosh, I love how she calls baby Angela Charlotte. Like, yes, <laughs> that was a good pickup. Yes, yes. I didn't tweak, but you're right. You're right to um, ask her a bit more about that. That was great. That's a lovely insight. Because I, I remember that, like, because we insisted for a long time on calling characters the names that the handmaids had given them. You know, it was always June, not Offred. And for a while they were calling Baby Holly rather than Nicole. Um, so I feel a little bit like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that we dropped Charlotte. Oh, Noted. (laughs) (laughs) No more. Well, we say we hope that helped. That really helped, I think. That was so great to get insights into Janine Lindo um, from Madeline Brewer. Yeah, we we hope you got as much out of that as as we did. So thank you so much, Madeline, and that invitation to join our Zoom room is eternal. Come back. So I think from memory from episode three, which now feels like ages ago that I saw it, she had just woken up out of the coma, right? And she was outside sitting in the wheelchair, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, slumped. So we have no idea what's happening next, but Madeline has now given us a bit of an insight that she will be, I assume, recovering and bringing some fire to Gilead in her own way, so we can look forward to that. Well, we can't wait. So new episodes of Handmaids drop every week and they're a little earlier at SBS On Demand and we will have a recaps waiting for you every time they do. So thank you, Haiti Island, Natalie Hamley and our audio mixer, Jeremy Wilmot, for joining us today. And sorry, Sana, couldn't make this one, but, yeah, we'll have you next time for sure. 
but reach out to us on Twitter to tell us what you think about Madeline Brewer's disclosures there. And if you were the person who tipped Mm -hmm. (laughs) what was happening in episode three, (laughs) what's your secrets? (laughs) And are you Bruce Miller tweeting under a different account? (laughs) Um, You can reach out to me on Twitter. You can find me at anything but Fifi and you can use the hashtag eyes on Gilead. Haiti, where can we find you? At Haiti Island. And Natalie, where can we find you? I am at Natalie Hambly. And Haiti, I saw that you were on Twitter yesterday and I was like, Haiti's on Twitter. <laughs> Haiti's back. <laughs> you did a mass like of everything on the Haiti's back on Twitter. <laughs> I love getting into Twitter when the podcast is happening. It's so much fun. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, we, we're just lapping up all of the tweets and the reactions to, to the first couple of episodes as they're dropped. Yeah, we're absolutely loving it. So keep it up. And while we have you, feel free to leave feedback and give us a review on uh, your favourite podcast app because it helps other people to find the show. Eyes on Gilead is produced by me, Fiona Williams, and edited and mixed by Jeremy Wilmot. You don't own me, I'm not your property, so take your dirty builders thinking that of me. She just thinks Canada, you're safe, you're probably having the time of your life and doing karaoke and drinking margaritas. Until next time, don't let the bastards grind you down.